Everyone's life falls apart in some way. When that happens, all we can do is put the pieces back together. And that is the recombobulated life. Hey, welcome back to the Recombobulated Life podcast. Now, doing a podcast or going to speak to a group about the biggest screw-ups in your life or about your bipolar disorder are pretty much the opposite of hiding. But when my life fell apart, um, all I wanted to do was hide. And, uh, and then when I... Uh, got diagnosed and got treated and kind of got a clear head, um, I still wanted to hide because uh, it was just a whole bunch of crap I had to clean up. I think that's sort of a, a common theme that I hear from people when you uh, experience a real nasty failure or screw up. Um, you don't want to deal with people. You don't want to see anybody. You're embarrassed. You feel shame. Um, you know, when I just think back to, um, I, I'm laughing only because it's uh, one of those laugh or cry moments, but I'm thinking back to when I had to bring my uh, wife and kids into the family room and tell them, uh, hey guys, dad did some really, really stupid and bad things. And, uh, the police might be coming over, so you guys are going to go over to your aunt's house. Not a good day. Uh, and all I could really think to do at that point was to close the door and lock myself away from the world. And actually, uh, and this is going to be a downer here. Um, you know, it really got to the point uh, when I was sitting there looking at what I'd done to my family and and uh, and the different things I had to face uh, legally that you know I thought about doing the ultimate runaway um, it's not something I take lightly I'm just that that's how low and how much I wanted to be away from the world and really the only thing that stopped me was uh, thinking that that absolutely wasn't the legacy I wanted to leave for my kids. Uh, plus, it would have been like super, super stereotypical to be the guy who, um, you know, embezzled money and then, uh, you know, went went away and took a bunch of pills or whatever. So um, that wasn't going to be me. So that was at least you know a step forward. And really, the only thing that got me through that was thinking about legacy and what I wanted to leave behind and I certainly didn't want to leave behind my last failure um, and, uh, and you know when I when I got to the point uh, a few months later where I got treated uh, diagnosed and treated for bipolar disorder uh, I've talked to this talked about this before it, it really feels amazing um, and anyone else who's gone through this with uh, bipolar disorder or depression or uh, you know other uh, mental illnesses you know when you get the medication that really works it's it's stunning it's really unbelievable um, and it's great and then you 
look back and there's just this whole pile of shit that you left behind and it doesn't feel good either uh, you know I ran from that too I you know maybe it wasn't a full run I went to uh, my parents place and was doing some work for them and, and you know painting a deck and repairing things and uh, that was a really sweet time in my life because I was actually uh, sleeping on the bottom bunk in what was now the uh, the grandchildren's room at their house. So yeah, laying there uh, on some um, you know cartoon sheets. Uh, I think the uh, comforter was the hockey player one that my mom had sent me to college with. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty low, uh, and it was this. But it was safe. I didn't. I didn't have to venture into the world, and I didn't have to do anything. Um, but then I realized that really wasn't the life I wanted to live. I didn't want to live that small. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it's just piling on, and then all you're doing is sitting there and stewing in your own, um, in your own mess, and your own. There's a lot of self-pity going on, and, and like I said, there's a shame and embarrassment. Um, so then, really, it was... Um, so then I would start doing some things and, and start, you know, going to the store and, and, and finding little, little steps to try to do. Uh, going to the store is great because the people there uh, get paid to talk to you. So that's like a pretty low stress uh, environment to, to learn to talk to people again. Uh, but then as, as everything progressed for me, uh, I had the added benefit of uh, a newspaper reporter who I had, um, for better or worse, been a, a source for before, uh, before everything fell apart. And he grabbed hold of this story and ran with it. So I think at the end of the day, there were like, it was either four or five articles, and forgive me for my imprecision on that, but I don't make it a habit of looking them up again. I know, seems strange, crazy stuff, but I don't really want to go read those things. Because if you've ever been in the paper, um, it's, uh, and really, reporters do a great job, uh, most of them, and, and they're sitting here trying to rebuild facts and getting things from different sources, but man, they like so rarely get it right, and or, or they only tell a part of it, or uh, a really great one is when the, uh, when the headline doesn't even come close to matching the reality of the story, but you know, my situation kind of covered all of those, and, and you know, it was ugly anyways, you know, I had taken money from my own company, I had bipolar disorder, neither one of these things are, are necessarily uh, things I wanted trumpeted to the world at that point. So, but but there was, you know, newspaper article coming out, oh, there's another one, oh, there's another one, oh yeah, there's the one with my mugshot, um, which is really, um, not that I want any of you to, to be in a situation where you need a mugshot, uh, if you do, don't wear an old white t-shirt under your clothes. It didn't occur to me that I would have to take off um, the shirt. I thought I'd walk in, you know, it was sort of a low-key booking, and I thought I would go in and, and 
you know, go through the process and, and get my picture taken. But then I had to um, uh, take off the shirt and yeah, so I just had this white undershirt. So um, it's really a horrible mugshot and I probably shouldn't have talked about it because uh, you're probably all wanted to go out and find it, but that's all right. Uh, and, and that's sort of my point. Um, it was out there, so it really wasn't something I could run from. Uh, it, you know, it, it's out there and it's out there online, which is so, just such a wonderful thing about our digital age. Uh, and, and at that point, you know, so I, I had come out a little bit and gone back in and come out of my shell a little bit more and gone back in, but when the newspaper articles hit, that was rough. You know, I was, I, I, and, you know, I still have kids, so I was sitting there having to go to things at their school and things, you know, I can't really tell my kids. I don't want to go see their play or their musical because dad's really freaking embarrassed and, and, uh, and ashamed and, and horrified at the notion of somebody coming up and talking to him about this. Um, but what I, um, what happened one of the times is I was sitting there, sitting in the parking lot, <laughs> trying to, to, to get the balls to go in to an elementary school to watch a musical. And I finally do, because I'm not going to let my kid down. So I walk in and I sit down and I happen to sit down next to a guy who I've known for a long time. I was actually, um, I'd coached his, his son in hockey. and. You know, so here's a guy who kind of knew me, and, and um, we had been in, you know, sort of the same industry. So I was kind of waiting for him to say something or waiting for him to be real standoffish because, um, you know, it's it certainly any of either of those could be really, um, I don't know, were, were responses I was expecting. And he looked at me, and just with a dead straight face, not a not a drip of, of any sort of hidden agenda. You know, hey Matt, what have you been up to? I haven't seen you in a while. And, and I, I, I literally I like paused, because I'm sitting there, I'm like, is this guy screwing with me? Or is he just being um, nice? And, and maybe he was just being nice, um, but it really felt like he didn't know. And that was when it really dawned on me, um, and it sounds cold, but people really don't care. And, and it's not a bad thing. They just, everyone has their own life, and they're dealing with their own things, and they're watching their own news, and, and maybe they're paying attention, and maybe they're not. But most people just didn't know, and maybe it's just, you know, I'm not that big a deal, um, which is different from what the... Uh, reporter said which is great because he's like well Matt you're um, this is news because you're a prominent businessman I'm like mm, I don't know if I agree with that but that's fine you're gonna cover it anyways um, but yeah I mean you, everyone um, everyone isn't watching for news for you and everybody um, wasn't sitting there thinking about me all the time and, and that was a really uh, it was a great thing to realize because I, it, it gave me a point where I could sit and walk into a room or walk into a school for some other event or go into the grocery store and 
see people and not have to sit there and have it pounding in my head the whole time. Oh my God, what are they thinking about me? And what are they saying about me? And and, and all the things that run through your mind when, when something goes wrong or when you've got, you know, bipolar disorder, a lot of people do a lot of really stupid things that are that their families know about or that people at work know about or, you know, where, where the public at large knows about it. Uh, or, you know, when, I think the same is true when I talk to people that have gone through things like, you know, losing their job or, or, or doing something else. And I talked to somebody who, um, you know, had a, had a, a really, um, had a drunk driving accident where he hurt somebody. And, you know, I'm not, certainly not condoning drunk driving and uh, please don't do it. Uh, but it was certainly something he felt terrible about it, but he couldn't get out of his shell and, and even get back into the world and try to rebuild things because he just couldn't get over the fact that everyone knew about it and everyone was talking about it and, and uh, they're really not I mean think about you know I just it, it made me think about all the things that are in the news or all the things that happen to people even in the you know the people that I deal with on a routine basis um, but, you know much less so the people that are that are on a broader circle or in my community or in my city or in my state or in my country there are so many things that happen and there's so much news that I have no clue about. And, and it was no different for me. Uh, it, you know, it's just not, um, it's not something people really worry about. And then I found like the, the people that did come up to me or did talk about it were really supportive. You know, hey, I, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. Or, I'm, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's great that you're um, dealing with it or you're being open about it. And... So, you know, the people that were coming up to me were really supportive. Now, the downside of that is for the people in your life, for your loved ones, they don't want to hear about it at all. So it's, it, it's not the, um, doesn't have the same effect for them. But you know, when people would come up and say those things to me, it felt really good. Uh, it felt like, all right, you know, everyone, it hasn't damned me to hell. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm guessing the people that didn't feel that way or didn't like me uh, really weren't probably weren't coming up to me because they didn't want to deal with me. What are they, you know, someone just going to come up and berate me? That never happened. Uh, the weirdest thing I had happened though was I had, um, happened twice. It was probably the same person. I'm pretty sure I know who it is, but you know, it doesn't really matter. But um, when I had uh, the, had two legal proceedings going on at the same time, one was with the Office of Lawyer Regulation that was ultimately flowing up to the state Supreme Court about whether or not I get to keep my law license. And as I'm going through that process, it was like right towards the very end um, when you're going through what's effectively the trial. And someone sent an anonymous letter into the Office of Lawyer Regulation. Like, like seriously, the it was the no return address. It was like something from the movies. <laughs> unsigned and um, and it just had all these scathing things and nasty stuff and, and lies and um, and it was the, the interesting there was so someone actually did not really kind of confronted me in like a super 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 passive aggressive way but um, the lawyer for the office of lawyer regulation and then the uh, the judge the the um, the hearing uh, examiner for it 
both completely disregarded it because they're like, well, you know, someone's just going to send in an uh, anonymous letter. I can't, you know, why am I going to give this any, uh, any credence? It's the most cowardly thing to do. Um, I think it was what they, they both said. And, you know, it was true. And then I was, you know, when I was going through the criminal proceeding, the same thing happens. That's why I think it's probably the same folks. Um, but yeah, right as I was getting up to sentencing, you go through this process where, um, leading into sentencing, you, as the defendant, you submit a uh, sentencing memo. And as part of that, that's where you have all the letters of support from people who can say, you know, good things you were had done before or good things you've done after and what kind of person you are. And, and then, the, you know, victims get to make their statements too. Um, so that everybody's heard on it when the judge is going to make his uh, his or her decision and pass sentence. Well, same thing. Somebody sent in an anonymous victim's uh, victim interest statement, and you know, again, it was it was a lot of the same stuff that was in the anonymous letter. So it was all this, um, you know, Matt's the worst person in the world and uh, can't be trusted with anything. And uh, there too, the judge said this is you know it was it was uh i think he said it was cowardly too but he said he certainly wasn't going to give it any credence because you know if someone can't stand up and say something and put their name behind it why you know why is anyone going to listen to him but i think the fact that the only time people said anything bad to me um, was in that setting in a in an anonymous letter that couldn't be tracked to them and didn't have their name on it. You know, people who don't like what happened or don't like you because you have bipolar disorder or depression or, or, or you know, because you did stupid things or did bad things or did illegal things, they just aren't going to bother. They're not going to take their time to, to you know, get involved and they're going to kind of chicken away from it, which is fine. It's great. Um, because it really falls into that uh, people don't care. So really what it comes down to, no matter what kind of bad news is out there, no matter what embarrassing situations you got in, uh, most people aren't paying attention at all. They're living their own life. They're dealing with their own stuff. Um, when you know the people that do know, the people that are going to bother talking to you about it are the ones that, love you or support you and, and want to say that um, they want to see you succeed. They want to see you come back. And the people that don't are most likely not going to talk to you or maybe they'll do something crazy like send an anonymous letter into somebody, but um, they're not going to, they're not going to confront you in the way that, that at least I was convinced was going to happen when I was, um, when I was in my hiding phase, I literally thought I would go in and, you know, get accosted by people and uh, have people shout me down and, and tell me I was horrible and kick me out of places. None of that happened. None of that happened at all. And in fact, the more um, the more open I've been about it, uh, and the more I've talked about, you know, bipolar disorder and, and put that out there and and done things to to. Um, be public about it and and talk to people about it. The responses are great. You know, I've had a lot of people come up and, and say that it, you know, it, it helped them get help or it helped them get their 
someone in their family help and you know all those are great things and none of that was why I went into it and, and at the first I just needed to talk about it to get it off my chest and then once I saw that it helped people yeah of course I was going to keep going because that that feels good and you know when you're when you're uh, when you've gone through something and you you've screwed up a bunch of things in your life and you, you feel like uh, you're just waiting in a big pile of shit um, getting to help people feels really good uh, really good um, you know so I guess I'm, I'm really uh, when I got to that point where I was sitting in the bottom bunk of a, of a little kid's bunk bed and wondering how I was going to get back into the world uh, and not even wanting to at first. Uh, I'm glad I had that moment of, of realization that people don't care and there was no reason for me to hide and no reason for me to run because I just wasn't that important in most people's lives. Um, and some some people might think that sounds negative. Uh, I'm important to the people I need to be important to, uh, but most people aren't thinking about me, and that's fine because that, that gave me the comfort I needed to start rebuilding and and uh, and and get back into the world. That's all we have today on the Recombobulated Life. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to talking to you again next time. <laughs>